We begin the book of Exodus. The first parsha is called Shemot. It's because Shemot means the names and enumerates the names of those, the sons of Jacob that came down to Egypt. It's the starting point and the base of the next leg of the journey of what is to become the Jewish nation. We now know how the family slash nation got to Egypt and almost immediately in this new leg, we see a theme that is oh so familiar and throughout history, and yet this is the genesis of it all. This is the first time that we see it as a people, open and blatant anti-Semitism. Joseph passes on, and so too does the whole generation. And in the words of the Torah, it says, firstly, it says that the children of Israel really flourished and grew in numbers. They also grew in strength. Now, from a nondescript family, they're now actually quite a powerful force, or so it seems. And a new king arises in Egypt that didn't know Joseph. An elusive passage in this week's parsha. Did he not know Joseph? Is it really a new king? And even if it was a new king, is it not well known in the annals and in the history and in the land itself of Egypt that Joseph was an individual that saved the land from famine and built it into the powerhouse and the superpower that it became? So what does it mean that didn't know Joseph? Well, the commentaries are divided as to whether it was literal or whether it was a state of mind. They tried to deny the existence of Joseph and the contributions of Joseph. They were threatened by the Bnei Israel, by the children of Israel. And it's at this point that they cleverly tried to enslave the people. And indeed, they did. You're going to hear the theme that sets the stage for Exodus time and time again over here. But as the Parsha goes on, you're also going to see the theme of the more that the Jews were subjugated, the more they flourished. They could not be held back, regardless of the adversity. They always seemed to be successful. Does that sound familiar? As the story unfolds, we're introduced to amazing people, strong leaders that emerge, no less than Moses himself. Now, the story of the origins of Moses is tremendously fascinating. The decree went out across the whole Egypt that any male child shall be thrown into the Nile River because Pharaoh had insight through the horoscopes that there would be a savior and a leader that arises, a male, and therefore he tried to eradicate this to begin with. Now we know the story of Moses, that Moses actually is born and is placed in a a basket and is put into the Nile River. And the daughter of Pharaoh comes to bathe, and here's a child crying. And over here unfolds many a miracle. Firstly, she saves the child. How ironic. Right from inside, Pharaoh's 
home itself. And ironically, when she tries to feed the baby and find someone to wean the baby, the baby would not take to any of the Egyptian women. She understood that this must be a Hebrew. And long story short, the individual that ends up weaning Moshe is actually Moshe's biological mother. You'll see also the tremendous miracles and setting of the stage of what to us unfold. Moshe is actually named Moshe, as it appears in the Torah, by most commentaries, by actually by the daughter of Pharaoh herself. Again, the irony continues to grow. Needing to cut through many of the details, I just want to say that in this parasha we see that Moshe actually gets married and he has children. He doesn't do that in Egypt. He has to run away from Egypt. He's in a place called Midian. And over there he has an occurrence and an experience. And an unbelievable revelation, shall we say, around the burning bush. Whereby there was a bush that was on fire, but it wasn't getting consumed. And it intrigued him and he came forward. And that's the first time that God appears to him. And then sends him back to Egypt to take that leadership position, to take the Jewish people out of Egypt. Some of this story we know is so familiar, but this is the background of it. The dialogue that Moshe Rabbeinu has with the Almighty is so insightful, because at first appearance and experience with Pharaoh, when Moshe comes in and says, let my people go, as that famous saying goes, Pharaoh said, who are you that I should listen to you? Moreover, if the Jewish people have time to caucus and to appoint a leader, to come and represent them, to create problems, then they're not being worked hard enough. And so the first result of Moshe's foray into public service actually flings right back at him. And not only does he not make it better, but he makes it worse. Now imagine the reaction of the people around him. Well, we'll leave that for a second because we, understand, we can recognize that for sure they were furious. But beyond that, it's his dialogue with Hashem. And he says, Loma hare osa. Why have you made it worse for the people? From the time that I came and I presented myself to speak in your name, Pharaoh actually did not save the people. He made it worse. God responds to him. You will see what I shall do to Pharaoh because with an outstretched arm, I will send them out. And with a strong arm, whether he likes it or not, he's going to banish the people from the land. That's the end of the Parsha. So fascinating to see the way Moshe has this open relationship with God and pushes back and questions. Indeed, we learn from our leaders that Our relationship with God is to be a true relationship so that we accept God and we recognize that God is the supreme being and everything emanates from God. We at the same time recognize we don't understand God. But it's not an act of submission because an active relationship and a real deep relationship allows for questioning, which is exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu did. But of course, Moshe Rabbeinu was open for the response. Again, when we learn a Parsha, we always should look how we can apply it to our lives. The questions we have, the acceptance is sometimes what we need to work on. Have a wonderful day.